Thanks for tuning in to Christian Medical and Dental Association's chapel. May the message be a blessing to you. Good morning, and thank you so much for the opportunity to come back and, and be with you. I believe last time I was here, um, I did not recognize—I don't recognize anybody because we all had masks on. So um, back in what was it, twenty? Uh, cra- crazy times, was it not? So, uh, but again, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, I would challenge you to do something with the receptionist at the door. She's kind of mean when you first walk in. So demanding of things like shrimp trays and all uh, other things. So it's a uh, so if you would do something about that, it'd probably help. So I'm just kidding. Uh, Connie, thank you so much. We do go back 20-some years now, I guess about 26, 27 years. And uh, so I thank you so much for the introduction. Uh, I am still on mission trips many times. I still do feel the pulpit uh, quite often, which I'm very thankful for. Uh, it's a little bit different season in my life. Really not sure what the Lord is doing there, uh, what, what he wants to do there, but open to what the Lord wants. I'll be leaving for Senegal, West Africa in a little over a month, and then I'll be headed to Ghana, West Africa in October. So um, I covet your prayers as uh, we all continue to be on mission uh, with, with the Lord. I, I don't know uh, how, how it works with you, but I'm going to be in 2 Kings. If you have your Bible, your smartphone, you would like to uh, pull that up. Uh, ask the Lord for several weeks exactly what he wanted uh, me to share uh, with us here this morning. And uh, he has brought me to the passage of 2 Kings chapter number 6. I will tell you, it's the first time I have stood behind a round pulpit. And, uh, and I like it. I, I, I like this. So uh, I was thankful there wasn't a, a stool to sit on because I can't do that. I just can't, can't sit. I'll be moving a lot. Let's jump straight into the scripture and uh, then we'll just let the Lord speak to us this morning. I'm in uh, verse uh, number 8 of 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings 6 verse number 8. The Bible says this, Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel, and he consulted with his servants, saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing, and he called his servants and said to them, Will you not now, will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. So he said, the king of Syria, Go and see where he is, that I may send and get him. And it was told him, saying, Surely he is in Dothan. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there and came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And so he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of this young man, and he saw And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Let's pray together. Father, God, these are your words, and God, this is your time. Lord, may I just be the instrument that you speak through, and may you speak through me with words and power. God, speak to our hearts. May we be open to to receive that which you 
want us to receive. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I would have liked to have been a part of this. I would like to have saw this with my own physical eyes, exactly what took place on this day. And I look forward to the day that we get to sit down with Elisha and this servant and just say, tell us about that. You know, what was that about? But I thought about that many times. I thought about this servant and what must have been going on in, in his mind and in his heart as he walked out that morning and saw this army surrounding the city. And he knew why, why the army was there. And I'm sure there was discouragement that went on in his life. I have to tell you, since 2020, there's been a lot of discouragement that's gone on in a lot of people's lives. Amen? I mean, since 2020, it seems like everything is just upside down. It's, it's not uh, what it used to be. We hear terms like the new normal. I'm not so sure I like the new normal. I, I know the Lord's in control, and I'm excited about that. But since 2020, things in my life have just been very different from what they were prior to 2020, not just because of COVID. Uh, when the Lord had us move back up here, uh, we... We did not want to come. Uh, we were not interested in coming back. We came back screaming and kicking, uh, to be honest with you. We loved the church that we were at. We're there for 20, uh, almost, uh, almost 21 years and just loved the people there. Things were going great, still going great. We're leaving our children and came back to a business that I hadn't been a part of and since I was 39 that had changed drastically. My dad was supposed to, as we bought it for mom and dad, my dad was supposed to stay there and uh, help me learn some things for two years. And my dad died eight days after we bought the business. COVID hit six days later. It shut down the restaurant. Dear Lord, what have you got us into? We felt like we were surrounded by this army and we were being attacked. And to this day, we're still not exactly one 100% sure why God has us here. We know that he has a plan and we're part of that. But I got to tell you, there were some times during that that we were very discouraged and we've, we have found ourselves there in days since then. Discouragement seems to be a part of life, doesn't it? It comes to so many people. It, it comes to us in life. It comes at very unexpected times and you may be discouraged this morning. You may be going through something in your life, maybe that others know about, maybe that no one else knows about. And I've often wondered, you know, how exactly do we deal with discouragement in our life? Because I know that it comes. John Calvin is a man that I, I really enjoy uh, studying his life. And John Calvin left a mark on the world that endured for centuries. But, you know, during his lifetime, he, he often battled discouragement. And, folks, this was a great man of God. But he battled discouragement. He once said these words. He said, I am so entangled in so many troublesome affairs that I am almost beside myself. Folks, how bad does it have to be that you can be beside yourself? But that's what he said. On another occasion, he said these words, today, today hardly one in a hundred considers how difficult and arduous it is to faithfully discharge the office of pastor. He felt the pressure of, of the life of a pastor. And for those of you that attend church, pray for your pastor. Lift up your staff. You, being a pastor for all these years, folks, there's a lot of pressure there that you don't realize. A lot of things they keep to themselves. Pray for them. Lift them up. And then on another occasion, he said this. He said, in addition to the immense troubles by which I am so sorely consumed, there is almost no day on which some new pain or anxiety does not come into my life. I'm sure if it happened to this gentleman, it happens to us as well. Discouragement can come into our life. John Stott called discouragement the occupational ha hazard of Christian living and Christian ministry. If you're going to be a Christian, if you are a Christian, you find out real quick that it's not always a bed of roses. Amen? It's difficulty. 
There is difficulty in that. But you know, I found that the Bible tells us repeatedly to eschew discouragement. The Bible tells us to treat discouragement in our life like a sin. We are to refuse it. We are to reject it. We are to resist it in our life. Deuteronomy 1.21, I believe, says, Do not fear or be discouraged. Someone has said that it says in the Bible over 365 times in one way or another, do not fear. I guess the Lord knew that we are fearful people, that we would be discouraged people, that we would need encouragement in our life. So he gives us a Bible verse for every day of the year plus some to remind us that we are not to fear. But it comes into our life, doesn't it? You know, the one thing that I am so thankful of is, is this. Many times things happen and we're like, oh my gosh, I didn't see that coming. And I remember a former pastor or pastor friend of mine in Georgia used to say this. He said, Marty, never forget. He said, did it ever occur to you that nothing ever occurred to God? Our God is never discouraged, is he? He's never discouraged. He's never caught off guard. There's nothing that he is not aware of. And many times he allows things in our life that, that maybe we don't want, but they're there for a, a reason. And I have found that in his service, folks, there is always victory. There's always victory. Even when we don't think there's victory, there is always victory. Our life, our love, and our labor for the Lord, folks, it is not in vain. It's not in vain. And no matter what's going on in your life, don't, don't give up. Don't turn in the towel. You say, why would you say that? Because I have been there before. I've actually said those words to the Lord. I, what's the use? Why? Why? I, I'm doing what you want. I'm, I'm here, and, and, and this, is, this is it? This is it? And you say, well, you ought not say things like that. Well, I've repented of them, but, you know, it was there. It was real. It was in my life, and I needed to, to voice that out. And I'm thankful that God is a good father that listens to us when we, can, when we talk to him like that. But I cling to that in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, where the Bible tells us to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for we know that our labor is not in what, church? It's not in vain. It is not in vain. And I like to take that verse and I like to use it as a broom to sweep discouragement out of my heart when it comes. Charles Stanley said that God would never discourage me. He would always point me to himself to trust him. I got to tell you, I like that. To trust him. Him. Which makes me go every morning and ask this question in my morning devotions. Who am I trusting today? Whom or what am I trusting? And I think it's a question that each of us ought to ask ourselves. Who are we trusting during this very difficult time in our, our world, this very difficult time in our nation, and possibly even this very difficult time in your life today? And I have found that I can either have faith in the Lord or I can have fear in my circumstances. It's going to be one of the two. Faith in the Lord or fear in my circumstances. And so I've asked the Lord many times, Lord, open my eyes as you did the servants. And if you would this morning, if you feel compelled to as you're sitting there, just ask the Lord to open your eyes to the scriptures this morning and let him speak directly to you. If you just say that to yourself right now, just in your heart, Lord, open my eyes that I may see. Because in the text that I just read, we see fear and faith side by side. We see fear in the servant contrasted against that of the faith of the man of God known as Elisha. So look at verse 15 with me. Let's just dive into this and study these verses for just a few moments. I asked how long, and he said two to three hours. And I said, you do realize you're speaking to a Baptist preacher. Which he backed up and told me I had 12 minutes. So 
If I need to stop, just tell me to stop. I, I think I've got it time uh, pretty good. <clears throat> Look with me at the fear of the servant. Fear is real, is it not? It, it, it's, it's so real. Now, it's usually wrong, but, it, but it's so real. Uh, someone made an acronym out of the word fear, F-E-A-R, and it's false evidence appearing real. And that's so true about, about fear. It is false evidence that appears real so many times in, in our life. But look at the fear of the servant, verse 15. It says, and when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And the servant said to him, alas, my master, what shall we do? And folks, he is not speaking softly right here when he said this. His heart is in an uproar. His blood pressure is up. And he says, what shall we do? You know, the thing that I see here is I notice the focus of his fear. The focus of his fear. And I have found that the result of his fear was the realm of his vision. Because all he saw was his present outward circumstances. That's all he saw. He saw nothing else but the present outward circumstances. He saw only the great host that surrounded the city. And this type of vision, it will always result in the, in the same thing. You will always have the same result. Fear. If all you ever see is, is what's going on in your life, that doctor's diagnosis, that family problem, that work situation, what's going on in our nation, if that's all you're seeing and all you're focused on, it'll always bring fear in your life because Satan loves to bring fear into our life. Fear is always the result of a very narrow vision. You see, I found that fear will never allow you to focus on certain things in your life. If you're focused on those present outward circumstances, you know, I... I think about this servant. He never once was able to focus on God's provision in his life. Not, not one time. You know, the servant did not remember the past victories that God had given the kings of Israel over the armies of Syria. Time and time again, he forgot all about that because all he sees is his present outward circumstances. He didn't see God's power. The servant did not remember the power of God that was so real in the life of his master, Elisha, this great prophet that performed so many great miracles for God. And thirdly, he, he, he was not able to see God's promises. The servant did not remember any of the promises of God that uh, Elisha had probably proved to him and taught him time and time again. And I have found that far too many times we as Christians can be just like this man. When troubling times comes our way, difficult times. And folks, I'm going to tell you right now, everything may be good in your life, and I'm not, I'm not doom and gloom, but you will have troubling times in your life. You will have difficult times in your life. And what you choose to do with them is going to make all the difference in the world. But too many times we're like this gentleman here. When those times come of difficulty, we forget the past victories that, that God has given to our life. If you ever want to praise God for something, just stop and think back about all the victories that God has brought into your life. Just think about salvation to begin with, and then the victories that he has brought all through your life. Because I can go back so many times to think about how God has brought victory after victory after victory into my life and the people around me. We forget the mighty power of God that it maybe at one time or another was, was so real to us. I think about the power of God, and I go back to Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And how did he do that? He just spoke. That is the awesome power of our God. But this servant didn't see that because he was focusing on his present outward circumstances. And I believe that we forget the promises of God so many times that God has made to each and every one of us today that claim to be his children. You know, God has given us promises concerning life. 
We have those promises of life. God says, I've come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. I mean, I've had to stop sometimes over the past two and a half years and say, this is abundant life? This is what you meant by that? So, but I've come to find out as I look back, yes, it is. God says, I've come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. I think about the promises we have concerning death, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. We have the promise of eternity. We have the promise that God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That God says, I'll always have an unconditional, everlasting love for you. But folks, if we focus just on the present outward circumstances in our life, fear is always going to be present, and that will always lead to that feebleness that always comes from fear. Fear always brings that feebleness, that knocking of the knees, that shaking of the hands, that I can't sleep at night because I'm so worried, I'm so concerned. Verse 15, he says, alas, my master, what shall we do? Have you ever been to that place in your life? I don't know what to do. I can't fix this. My back's against the wall. And you wring your hands and you worry because you want to be able to do something. I don't know how to help my family. I don't know how to help my kids with what's going on in their marriage. I don't know what to do about this doctor's report. I mean, I looked at all the prayer requests up here this morning. I'm sure there's some folks up there going, I don't know what to do here. I don't know what to do. And when I look at this man's question, I understand that his question was not so much a question that required an answer, but it was more of a question that just stated total despair. And this led to his defeat. You realize that sitting, standing right there, this man was defeated before the battle ever began. The battle hadn't even started and he had already lost. He had already given up to his present outward circumstances. Fear had rendered him weak because he had just given up. And I think our world is full of folks that have just given up. I believe there's even Christians today that they've thrown up their hands and they've just surrendered to their circumstances in their life that are going on right now. And that's possibly you here in this room or those that are with us by Zoom. You just give up. I don't know what to do. Is there something that we can do? Absolutely. What did Elisha do? Well, you see the fear, and now look at the faith. Look at the faith of Elisha. Look at verse 16. I love this. Listen to how he responds. He says, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You know, the first thing that I see that Elisha's faith brought into his life was peace. Well, that's a beautiful word, isn't it, peace? I like peace. I like having peace in my life. God has promised us his peace. And it brought about peace. I just, I love the words to his servant. Don't fear. Do not fear. Fear not. You say, how could someone have that type of faith and that type of peace when they see this army surrounding them? Well, folks, I have found that faith is founded on facts. It's founded on facts. You go to that great chapter of faith in, in, in the book of Hebrews, and it says by faith, and it starts naming all the things that different people did by faith. And you know what their faith was in? What God said. Their faith was in the word of Almighty God. 
Faith is not wishful thinking. It's not a positive attitude. It's not a hope so, a maybe so. It's not a shot in the dark. It's not, well, here I go. That's not it. That's not faith. Having faith is, is always founded on the facts of the word of God. And what were the facts? They that be with us are more that be with them. But the servant couldn't see that. Because all he saw was his present outward circumstances. He was focused on fear. His faith brought peace, but it also brought the right perception into his life. You see, faith perceives the whole picture. It perceives the whole picture. Faith sees more than the natural eye sees. Faith sees with that spiritual eye. Yes, Elisha saw saw the present outward circumstance of the army, but Elisha saw the pig picture. God is with us, and God is going to use this. And God did a great justice for Israel in all this, if you go and read the rest of the story. So there was the right perception. But faith also brought prayer. Elijah prayed. And I love this. Elijah didn't pray for himself. Elijah had so much peace in his life and perception that Elijah prayed for the man with him. He didn't pray for himself. He didn't say, Lord, save me. Lord, help me. He said, Lord, open his eyes. That's how much peace Elijah had in his life. I've told people for years, and I tell myself, Marty, you can worry or you can pray. It's your choice. But folks, you cannot do both at the same time. Try it sometime. If you're worrying, you are not praying. And if you're praying, you're not worrying. You cannot do both at the same time. And Elisha prayed, and he asked God to open the eyes of this young man. Elisha's faith brought prayer, but it also brought power. It also brought power. Look with me, if you will, at verse 17. Well, let me, just, let me just go there. Verse 17 teaches that in the answer to Elisha's prayer, that God miraculously opened the eyes of the servant, and he saw that the mountains were full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And if you know the rest of the story, God struck that whole army blind. And Elisha and his servant, he marched that entire army to the king of Israel. And they had to surrender to him. It brought power. Because that's what happens when we have faith. Now, folks, it may not always end up the way that we want. You may end up traveling 225 miles from where you were. and You may end up leaving your kids behind. But I tell you, it's what God wants. It's the best thing for your life. It brought power in his life. And I don't know of a time in the history of the church or in the time of us as Christians that there's any greater need than we have for God to open our eyes that we may see. Folks, our world's in a mess. Our nation's in a bigger mess, I think. When you have nations like Senegal, Christians in Senegal, a third world country, Sadu Ba will call me up and he'll say, what is wrong with your country? It's crazy. And he starts talking about all the things that we're legalizing, all the pressures that we're being put to, all the conformity that's coming into our world. This is a day that God needs to open the eyes of the church so that we may see, hey, folks, greater are they that are with us than they that are surrounding us. We need to be able to see that. Fight the battle. Continue to go forward. Speak the truth in love. But I'm afraid so many Christians are living on that natural level of just sight. When as Christians, we're supposed to be living on that spiritual level of faith. Of faith. 
I pray that God will open our eyes to one thing, and I'm going to close. I pray that we would see the position of God in our lives. The position of God. If you've got your Bibles, we go forward just a little bit to Isaiah chapter 6. I, I just Something I want to throw out there real quick. This is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible because it means so much to me. But Isaiah chapter 6. Verse 1 says this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw, and I have that underlined in my Bible. I saw. Hey, can you look up here real quick? What are you seeing today? What are you seeing? Is it just those present outward circumstances? Or are you seeing with faith? He said, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. You have to understand the significance of this verse. It was a year that King Uzziah died. The death of Uzziah was a shattering blow to Judah as a nation and also to Isaiah here as a prophet. We know that Uzziah died tragically as a leper because of his disobedience, but my goodness, Judah had prospered greatly politically, materially, and uh, even militarily under his reign. And he was a huge supporter of the ministry of Isaiah. Now with his death, there was... You ever had those moments come into your life? Everything's good and then, oh, that's what's going on here. There was so much uncertainty here about the future. So much. I believe a lot like our times. So much uncertainty surrounding our future as a nation. I mean, folks, we, we, we've had this virus. We've got the elections. We've got rots. We've, there, there's so much going on. There's so much uncertainty that, that, that is around us. But for Isaiah, in an hour such as he was having, you know what he saw? He saw the position of God. He saw the Lord. All the people on earth were weeping and wondering what the future held, and God just kind of rolled back the clouds, and he allowed Isaiah to see that the people in heaven were all worshiping. All worshiping. Earthly throne was empty, but folks, not the heavenly throne. Amen? It was occupied. And it was occupied with the Lord and so I ask are we weeping over the uncertainty of our situation the uncertainty of our times or are we worshiping the living God that is seated upon the throne over all the universe which one are we doing I pray that the Lord would open our eyes that we may see his position we may see his position. There's a beautiful verse that's found that we, we, we know so well. It says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. We've heard that verse, haven't we? Let us therefore come. You know what that word come means? It literally means to draw near. To draw near. And how are we to draw near? Well, the Bible says that we are to draw near boldly. I looked up that word. You know what it means? Freedom of speech. It means freedom of speech. It means that we are to come before God and we're to speak without hesitation. Just pour our hearts out to him. God says, hey, draw near to me. Just speak. I'm your father. I'm your dad. Just go ahead. Tell me all about it. Let me have it. And what do we get out of that? 
that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. That's our God. So folks, you can focus on your outward present circumstances or you can see with your spiritual eyes that God is still on his throne. God is still in control. And yeah, it may not be all right in your life and you don't know what to do, but God does. Trust it to him and allow him through your faith in him to give you the ability to pray, to perceive, and to have his power in your life. Just keep walking. Remember, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord because you know that your labor is not in vain. Would you pray with me? Father, as I walked into this room today, I, I, I know nothing of what's going on in anyone's life or anyone that is watching through Zoom. But Father, you know. And Father, you had me here. You had this passage opened up that you would bring encouragement to the life of people today. But Father, may we have ears to hear. Father, may we allow that seed to be planted deep in our heart that we don't leave here and allow those circumstances that are, that are still there to rob us of your joy and your peace again. May we resist and refuse discouragement in our life. May we see you high and lifted up. And may we worship you. And Father, in your timing, give us that help, that mercy and grace that we need in our time of in our time. We love you, we praise you, and we thank you that you are the sovereign Lord and you have a plan. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen.